Oh, is it me? Oh, yeah. Luke's holding up his Polaroid camera. Welcome back to another podcast episode. It's been a minute since we've actually released one, I think. Um, Life's been busy, but we've got quite a few podcast episodes lined up, but we're also getting close to launching Front. Um, More details about that. We'll drop a link down below to what Front is. Go and follow us on our Instagram account. If you haven't already, please register to our mailing list. It will literally mean you're going to be one of the first people on Front when we do launch. Um, all the details will be down below. But this episode, we speak to the legendary Martin Rotz. He's one of my favourite photographers. He's literally one of my favourite photographers. I've said literally too many times already now. Um, yeah. yeah. So if you've never heard of Martin Rotz, he's like an abstract photographer, I'd say. He's absolutely kind yeah. of art- artistic in the way he shoots photography. Um, I actually bought some of his work about a year ago now it's proudly displayed next to my tv in my living room yeah uh, have you got the zine there as well oh yeah there he's, you go um, Luke supporting and i've just ordered uh his new one that came out in september yeah um that's it. so basically martin brings out a quarterly zine called martin rock mm. um and it documents his photography that he's done in that period of time um yeah. it's a really cool cool project and if you haven't heard of him please go and check him out over on his instagram and on his website but yeah we, we reached out to martin we wanted to talk to him martin actually lives in a camper van with his wife and his dog and he travels around putting on um his own personal gallery to whatever country or city that he might be in i think we were talking to him when he was in france is that right yes yeah so I'm not yeah, too sure. Yeah, I think it was I think it was like south of France or something like that. We do yeah. talk about it in the thing, but sure, let's say France. But yeah, he's so he travels around in his van, he puts on his own gallery, and and you know, he gets new locations all the time to work on his own photography and his own projects, his match and rock uh match and rock project. Mm. Um so when we actually spoke to Martin, he's actually recording this podcast outside there is a couple of times throughout the episode where yeah. the audio drops a little bit but we, we tried, tried to, to save it yeah and i've tried to cut out a few bits where it gets a bit just gets a bit windy every now and again but it's fine yeah. it's totally but deal with it you deal know what we like here ask for a refund if you're not happy yeah but stick yeah. around to the end it's a really interesting conversation and, and martin we really appreciate your time so mm-hmm. enjoy the rest of the episode drum roll please <laughs> Your scenery looks a lot better than ours, so yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. start off with that. Where, where I'm not you? exactly where? sure where I am, even. I'll just <laughs> oh, have to... okay. Well, I know uh, more or less where know, I am. That's when you know you're a free spirit. Where are you? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. Where, wherever the road takes me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wherever I may roam. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Ah, yeah. Okay. I'm still in the. So I'm in the Bordeaux area. So that's that's good. Yeah. Okay. Is that is that Portugal? No, no, no. That's the south of France. So oh, yeah, I was going to say southwest Paul. coast of France. Just well, but not too far from France though. So yeah, um, south. So you were because you were in Spain recently. So. Yeah, I was in. Uh, let me see. We left Spain. Not too long ago, actually, only three or four days ago. Yeah. But I've been in Spain for the past nine weeks or something, yeah. I suppose-ish, cool. something like that. Not exactly sure, but at some point you lose count. After three weeks, it's yeah. a, 
It's gone. Yeah. It's like uh, after three beers, you don't know uh, how, <laughs> how many you've had, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, similar. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's start off by talking about your travels then, because that's 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 kind of the only reason I want to talk to you. No, it's not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you you know you travel around you know with your partner and your dog Leica. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, not yeah. spelled like the camera brand, but yeah, it sounds definitely like it. Is it spelled yeah. like the dog that went to space? Yeah, which is yeah. now a bit problematic with uh, Russia doing all this bullshit. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. No, it's not problematic at all. Yeah, it wasn't the dog's fault. Yeah. Actually, we, we named the van Sputnik because Leica is traveling yeah. in it. But that's uh, that's become a bit of a thing now. But, yeah. Uh, well, whatever. I'm not I into like cancelling stuff, so we'll just keep it. That, that was my next question. What's the name of your van? I didn't know it was Sputnik. <laughs> there you go, Sputnik. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but that was... I mean, we had a different van before and that was easier to pick a name for and this one was a bit i don't know forced but yeah well we had the dog called Leica, which th that was her name already because she was uh oh, wow. she's an orphan dog and her mom's name was Leica. so the people that rescued her called her Leica, and we said okay we can't change that after this story so yeah, we just yeah. stuck with it yeah. and then we said okay it's actually also nice then to you to, to call the vehicle that she's traveling in something related to that name so sputnik was the most obvious yeah. name to use so uh yeah that's that yeah didn't you have a was it a, a t4 before that is that right yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. with yeah. a pop top so there was if it, on rainy days you wouldn't really open the, the roof so you couldn't stand in it yeah and for a couple of days that's fine but if you have a few weeks of rain it becomes yeah. really annoying but, that's the uh, thing like me and my fiance at the moment well i say at the moment we, we've been kind of we, we were fortunate enough to um we rented out a van uh, and we drove around Spain, Spain and Portugal, like the oh, nice. Um And we did that a couple of years back, and we just realised that we we just we want and need a van. Um, but in in one in one hand, we're like, oh, we want the classic kind of VW kind of look. In the other hand, we need you know something a little bit more sensible in terms of you know having the space. You know, we're not mechanics, right? If something happened. We need the the basic kind of level of understanding, but you know it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you kind of want that kind of look, but at the same time, we'd only be going away for like long weekends, right? So we need something that we could go away with in a couple of times a month, and it'd be reliable. Yeah. I don't think I'd have the the knowledge to to fix a broken down van if it was a forty year old, fifty year old van. Well, with T4 stuff is a bit more easy actually than with the well. Oh, we've really? got a Ford Transit now, and there's more electronics, and it's a, I don't know. I'm a, not a mechanic either, but sometimes we would run into trouble, and, and I managed to fix it. But really, the simple stuff because it was uh, mechanical, it was not electronic, so I could kind of fix it. Like the I don't know all the words in English, but like the the the, the gas pedal was connected to a wire, which would just pull. I think he, I don't know what you call that to just let the gas in yeah. and that would just snap loose every now and then. The first time that happened, I didn't know what happened. I just, yeah. the pedal was on the floor all of a sudden. I couldn't do anything. <laughs> I was going uphill. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do anything, which was uh, a kind of a weird situation, but I figured it out. Well, j just by looking at it and then it happened a few more times after that. So I could easily fix. So those kinds of things were fixable. But uh, further removed from that kind of stuff, I, I wouldn't be able to fix it either. So, yeah. And that car needed quite a lot of maintenance. So at yeah. some point when we got a dog and we had been fantasizing about getting a bigger van at some point, we said, OK, let's uh, let's use this as the, as the moment to to go for it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, there's actually a few like um, 
couples that me and my fiance we look we follow on youtube right and we you know van conversion van life that kind of thing uh-huh. we, we tune in every week do you know what i mean and it's so good like it makes us jealous you know we hate them by the end of the the, the actual <laughs> episode that they've released but i don't know it's just always like always appealed to me to be able to do that but i don't know one day one day soon enough i'm sure yeah and it's i mean it it, it may always look nice if you look at the videos but there's also a lot of crap that you have to Exactly, put up yeah. with uh, which you won't have when, when you're just nicely in a house i mean when it's raining yeah for example but also i mean we don't even have a toilet in the van so that's a lot of improvisation uh, from time to time yeah. most of the time it's, it's no problem at all but like those kinds of things shower most people are very attached to having a shower each day well that's yeah. definitely not happening here exactly. so you have to be comfortable with that as well i think and yeah. i mean yeah you can jump into a lake every now and then or you find a free shower somewhere or if necessary well i think it happens like once or twice each so we travel in blocks of about three and a half months and each time we go out like twice or three times we we park it somewhere where they have everything like uh, laundry machines uh, showers like all the stuff so we can take care of everything and then you have to pay for it but we try to not pay for parking anywhere yeah. so yeah when, when i went I, I so we went off season we were i think we were in like spain and portugal in like february sort of time oh that's so nice yeah. it was beautiful in the day it was quite yeah. windy um but it was really cold at night and yeah. the foot you know we picked up the van first thing we did was drive to like you know side of the road wherever we were to a beach and we were so cold in the night that the rest of the trip we basically had to stop at camps um, which is nice because yeah you had showers there and whatnot but the only thing we didn't have we didn't have like a fridge in the van um so we couldn't keep any food and um, we had to like eat fresh but you know you've said it before there's shops everywhere right so you can pretty much eat fresh as much as you want we're, since since that trip since i think it was like four or five years ago now that i did this I've actually become a vegetarian because we couldn't buy meat. So we couldn't. Well, that helps. <laughs> yeah. And then I felt so good for it. For like, I've never felt, so, I think we traveled for like two or three weeks and I'd never felt so good health wise. And I don't know if it was because of the surroundings and it was good for you, like mental health or if it was just that I wasn't eating meat. And yeah, since then, I've probably a combination of all this. Uh, yeah. 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 But it's oh, absolute dream. Absolute dream to do that. And you, you know, you're doing it every day. Yeah, as uh, as long as well, any time it's possible, we go out. I mean, the past two years have been problematic, of course. Mm-hmm. When we, like at the beginning of the whole COVID thing, we were in Portugal, so that was, uh, so we were doing actually. Before that, we were always traveling without an actual plan. We knew which country we might end up in, and then that, from there on, it was just going, and then we would see. And that particular trip in 2020, in, in the beginning few months, we had a, a pop-up tour uh, planned. So I had exhibitions in, planned in six locations, and we could do five in the end. And um, so we had a fixed plan of where we had to be at certain moments, and in between, we could still travel um and uh why was i getting at this <laughs> ah of course yeah so we were we just kept traveling from city to city to do these exhibitions which was a very nice experience by the way and then yeah we had to go back to the netherlands and we thought it was because of the the covid situation because they were yeah. closing down borders we didn't know what was going to happen so we just had to make sure okay 
we want to be, make sure that we're at least in the country where we are uh, uh, citizens. So yeah. we can still get all the health insurance if needed. And uh, we didn't know at all how, how, how serious the situation was. Yeah. So we drove back like in, in within 20 hours in one go, I just drove straight, <laughs> straight home. Wow. And then from there, but we thought, okay, maybe six weeks or so it's going to be over and we can travel again. But it took us uh, more than a year and a half to get back on the road again. I mean, we did yeah. small trips within the Netherlands, but that was about it. So yeah. Last year we finally started again, uh, and then we mainly visited Italy, and then we returned by the end of November. And early this year, we left again. And this this feels like the proper trip again. Like the previous one was a bit uh, I don't know. We, we're still getting used to getting back also just it. having that freedom again. Well, yeah. well, having been restricted so much, and also not knowing how people in other countries are dealing with with stuff so it was a uh, it was different but now it's uh yeah we're back uh we're back at it so it's good I that's a nice little segue into what we were going to ask you about your work right so because you've you've had to kind of adapt to the kind of covid situation when it comes to you putting out your you know your photographs your work your your art yeah um because you, you didn't you have to change how you're actually taking the photos themselves yeah that was a big thing because usually what, what my, most of my photography is like urban environmental abstract work. So I walk around with the camera. I'll, I don't know what I'm going to see, but I'm just going to, well, I, I'm going to be focused. And uh, when I see it, I can take a photograph. And yeah, yeah. Th that also depends on lots of factors, of course, whether you see it or not. And what you see, what you, what actually jumps into view for you. But uh, yeah, when we returned, also in the beginning, we couldn't even leave the house. So it was really uh, problematic. But because I was still really in that uh, working mode, I, I wasn't finished at all because I've, I've been really productive uh, traveling in Portugal and Spain. So when I came back, I just wanted to continue. So what instead of going outside, I just started using the house, yeah. which is actually, it wasn't our house. We were staying with family because we rented out our own house to when we travel that's what we do because yeah. uh, so, we couldn't go back because people who were living there expats they could, they couldn't leave either so yeah, yeah. we said okay fuck it we'll we'll just uh, stay here and um, and it was really nice actually yeah. but uh, yeah i started photographing there uh, and it was uh, it's a house that i knew rather well but so that was also an interesting thing actually if you already so normally i go somewhere i've never been i don't never know where i'm going i'm not planning to go to a certain city to photograph a certain area or whatever i'll just go and sometimes i end up in the right neighborhood and sometimes it's day of no photographs that also yeah. happens yeah, it's uh, interesting though because I, I was thinking about that because i know that you kind of will go somewhere and you know you'll walk around and whatever inspires you you know you'll you'll capture that's i mean i think that's inspiration enough to do it like that but when you actually plan to go somewhere do you plan that according to like the exhibitions that you might have or do you plan it according to just where you want to go and then you kind of plan to go there and potentially do like an exhibition wherever the weather is okay yeah, wherever <laughs> you really... yeah. <laughs> so most, mostly that's the the rule our rule but that's what, what happens I mean, yeah. we had the exhibitions, yeah. Then, of course, that that already determines quite a lot. But uh, right now, I mean, I, we didn't expect to be in France right now. We actually had thought we would still be in Spain, and we were in Spain in the south of Spain actually two weeks ago. Still, yeah, two weeks ago we were still in the south of Spain in Malaga, 
but uh, the weather was turning quite well, not super bad, but just gray and rainy and, and a bit colder. And not like you couldn't be there, but it's just for what I want to do. It wasn't really working. And we knew that we wouldn't have to be back in a, in a month. So we said, okay, we'll just drive up but slowly. And we, we didn't take it too fast, but yeah, uh, we ended up in, in France a bit sooner than expected. But it's nice. I mean, today it's a bit of a gray day, but it's been good. And uh, yeah. yeah, so that's a bit how it works. And then also, actually my wife takes more of the decisions of where we go than i do <laughs> and that's that also because that's a good thing though right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly i mean i i'm the one who drives but she usually decides where we go and it's not like she decides but i don't know i don't because we use different ways to dis- determine where we can park and uh there's an app which is called park for night which is really nice you can just see other people just put their uh, favorite locations on it so it's wild camping it's parking spots on on uh just regular parking places it's actual camper uh uh parkings yeah. and, and and campsites of course so there's a whole range of of different uh, options and usually we go for the spaces in nature that's nicest yeah. to stay because that's the weird thing i i my photography happens in in, in urban environments yeah but uh for staying somewhere overnight uh, i prefer to be in nature it's much nicer it's it's calm and it's i don't know you can go for a, for a nice walk and yeah i like that actually so it's a good like mix it's quite good as well because you know you're stopping in like you know like you said in the wild so to speak but in the morning, you have to get up and go, well, I'm going to work now. Go to the closest city, the closest <laughs> exactly. town. Do you know what I mean? Is, is it a yeah. like that? Or like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's a nice contrast, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And mostly it works like that. I must say this this particular trip, I, I've also taken a lot of time actually to get, get more input. So I've been reading a lot. I've been listening to podcasts and, and watching some videos a lot and just taking time to think about what I do. And it's been less of taking photographs, but that's that's different. Per, I don't, I've been doing this for long enough now that I know how it works. You yeah. get these these creative highs, which funnily I I did have during this Corona period when I couldn't go out to take photographs for most of the time. I had to become inventive about it. So um, yeah, I had quite a good creative period actually, and it it, it uh, I. I kept riding that the top of that wave longer than i expected actually yeah but now i'm uh, also taking some time to to think about where i'm going with this and I, I i'm still taking photographs but it's it's more um uh on the one hand i'm trying to figure out new things like going in a new direction and on the other hand i know i can rely on what i've been doing the past several years so yeah. i can yeah. just i can always rely on that and fall back with that but i prefer of course to keep moving and and yeah slowly changing into something new but i cannot decide it beforehand so the only thing i can do then is to read and listen and watch and i don't know just get input and at some point i'm done with all the input and then i'll just let it all go and i'll go out again so it's it's a bit of a mix yeah. but and it, it used to worry me a lot and it's, sometimes it still does of course because it's really annoying if you want to make something but it's not working at that moment yeah, but I know know by now that yeah, that's just the way it goes. You cannot always. That's with oh, everything. Everything has to. Everyone goes through these waves, don't they? Yeah. And like yeah. sometimes, sometimes I'm super motivated to go out and shoot or whatever it might be, but I'm not anywhere that I'm inspired to go and shoot. Do you know what I mean, so I'm ready. I've got the camera. I'm ready to go. 
but I can't, I have like this creative block of where I want to go. And I, I, that often happens. And I think that can happen in everything in life, right? You go through these waves of just being Definitely. motivated or not motivated, or you want to do something, but there's obstacles in the way. But that's why it's important to keep pushing yourself and learning new things as well as taking control of what you have got control of or doing, you know, doing what you are used to. Yeah, exactly. I think so yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Is it, so I was going to ask about your setup that you had for the, um, it was in your basement with the overhead projector that you had during lockdown and yeah. during coronavirus. It's just really interesting. Yeah, I just wondered if you could explain that to us about why, why you did that and what the actual setup was. Yeah, so it was indeed in the basement um, where I started work. So when, yeah, when the whole corona thing happened and we were staying in the Netherlands again, uh, at first, actually, I started taking photographs in the house, which was a nice experience. And but at some point, I also felt like, okay, I've kind of covered this. I'm I'm really trying to squeeze more and more out, but I, I think I got it for now. And I was also feeling like I wanted to do something new. And I had been thinking about doing something with the uh, their slide projectors. Actually, I got one overhead projector, but uh, most of them are uh, slide projectors. Okay, okay. And uh, but yeah, projectors they are, uh, but not meant for studio lighting or anything, which I started doing. But I had been thinking about that for actually for a couple of years already, but never got to it because I was so excited about just traveling and and taking photographs in in city or and 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 smaller towns uh, kinds of situations. But now I, yeah, I had the time and I had all the materials there and I thought, okay, let's just see what I can do with this. So in, uh, let me see, I, I graduated art school in Amsterdam in uh, 2010. And it, during that time I was working quite a bit with the uh, found footage and mainly slides. So I started collecting slides, but also slide projectors. So most of the time I would find them at flea markets or secondhand stores or people who would know would, would give them to me when they had one from family left over or whatever. Oh, yeah. So well, why, why is it everywhere but England you can get these things in like a charity shop or a flea market? Oh, you can. You, you can, can too. You just have to know how, how they look when, when they're packed in, in, in like these really silly boxes. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, so. yeah. Actually, this morning, because France is like, they got flea markets in the weekends everywhere. We visited five this morning. Oh, wow. And I've seen okay. at least four slide projectors without looking for them. I didn't buy them because I got like I got more than forty of them, uh, which is a bit wow. of overkill. But it also <laughs> helps because uh, I can exchange uh, uh, parts sometimes to repair yeah. them. Or yeah, they, they yeah, have yeah. sometimes they have different um, uh, functions. So they get the, the light comes out a little bit different, or they have different lenses. Different color light also happens. So. That's that was a nice thing to start playing with. So I started using these these slide projectors as light sources, so to create a situation that would be not similar but has the same conditions that as what I look for when I'm walking around in a city to take photographs. So light from different directions, which often happens because of light reflecting. So there's direct light coming in, but there's reflecting light from the other side of the street from a window or something coming into the scene as well. And maybe there's also some uh, artificial light playing as well. So you have already three uh, directions of light happening yeah. and then with according shadows every now and then. So that's something I try to shape also in the basement, which is nice because the basement is dark, of course. So you don't have 
any other light, so I could really control it there. And did and, you go for like a certain look, or was it a case of just kind of playing around with the lights, and then you're like, oh, I like that, or was it you had something in your mind that you wanted to kind of shoot, and you kept you were really, really playing with it. Especially in the beginning, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I just started really just moving lights around and, and walking around in that situation, sometimes placing objects in the in, in front of one of the light sources to see what would happen with the shadows. Yeah. And But then, of course, you start to figure out, okay, this is what happens if I do this. This is what happens when I do that. And you, you start to be able to control it a little bit more. And then, because yeah. in the very beginning, I only used the light. And then I figured, hey, I got all these pieces of colored glass. I, I did a, a collaboration with a glass a stained glass maker in 2019. At the end of 2019, we had a project and we translated three of my photographs into quite large uh, stained glass pieces. It was a very nice experience. And I had some leftover glass from that, just to, like, 10 different pieces or something. You didn't and I thought the art piece in a, you know, a rage and go, oh, I'm taking that. Uh, from, uh, sorry. What, uh, I say you I, didn't just smash up the piece of artwork. No. Like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that for me now. <laughs> if one would have fallen over and I would have yeah. definitely used the, the, the pieces. Yeah, definitely. No, these were leftovers just to try out stuff and figure out how, how, how the, uh, the colors worked. So I thought if I put one in front of a lens, it will probably change the color of the and and yeah, with most of the pieces it did. Sometimes they are so dense these uh, pieces that they're not letting light through, as in projecting it. So you like uh, with a stained glass window, you can always see all the colors shine when the, when the light is behind it, but not all the colors will also light let the light through actually to fall on the floor so that was something i also discovered along the way but then i got in touch with the stained glass uh, uh, maker and i asked him if he had some left i knew he always had a lot of leftovers like small pieces that they kept just for when they had a workshop and people could play around with it and uh, he said yeah sure come by so i I had a whole stack after that and it's and then i just started playing with it and uh, so and because i do a magazine every three months more or less or four times a year that's it and that's there you go <laughs> nice marching rocket is indeed and uh that was that's always a good way to work towards like finding some cohesion between yeah between the the photographs that i've, I've been taking yeah. so the first edition i did with these kinds of photographs was still quite pure in the sense that i was using just a wall and several projectors and and colors and that was it and then a second uh, iteration of that project, which I actually did last year, I think. Yeah, so I, like I had stops in between. Then I also started using an object, uh, which was like similar to the wall. I made actually like the wall is a corner and I made an object that looked like this. Okay. Uh, and I painted it in the same kind of paint. I actually made a fake wall also on the background. Like uh, the initial series, the wall was so, like I like it when a wall has this texture, the stucco kind of texture, and the wall of the basement didn't have that exactly. It was it was like it it was covered with something, but not like very roughly, and it was sometimes too prominent in the photograph. So I thought, okay, I could just make a wall like with some simple panels, and I just um, painted them with with similar paint that has this um, this grain in it, and then I made that object with the similar uh, material, so they would really uh just 
yeah, uh, how do you say, like like mix in the photograph. You wouldn't yeah, really see yeah. what ends where and what starts where. So they become one one layer. And so I started funny, using that one. You're, you're saying that, right? So you're saying that you were doing this, you know, um, you know, 2019, 2020. So this was January 2020. So this was, yeah. I, I, I bought this when we first went into lockdown. I think I've got two others, but I've deliberately picked up this one for a reason. Um, because I was inspired, because we were in lockdown, I wanted to try and, you know, your work inspired me to kind of look at what was around my house and in my house to do something similar. And I took a photo that it's not like yours. I wish it was like yours, but I was really, I was really proud of the photo that I took. It was, it was just some blinds that I had in my house and at a certain point in the day, it had a really nice reflection and I had a piece of artwork next to the wall and I zoomed in quite far and the colours from the reflection of the piece of artwork kind of bounced into the yeah. shadows a little bit. That's nice. Huh? And, yeah, and I didn't really think anything of it. Like, well, I liked it, but I, and you know, like we all do now, we post it to Instagram or whatever it might be. And without a doubt, it is the most popular like <laughs> photo that I've ever posted, but by a long shot. I think it must have caught some kind of, I don't know, you might have seen it and shared it or something and it's just gone boom sort of thing. But um, without a doubt, it's my most popular popular posts not not that I took it for that reason but um you know I was trying to I was trying to learn you know I was trying to put myself in your shoes and you know kind of put myself in your eyes and look at things a little bit differently but it's really hard it's really really hard to do like I don't know how I don't, I don't know how you do it like especially out on the streets but I think I um obviously you did the interview with um or the video with Sean Tucker right yeah right before I had to leave Portugal right yeah, two weeks oh. before that or something. Yeah, I think it came out exactly two years ago, yeah. like yeah. two or three days ago. Because oh, okay, I've noticed a spike in people subscribing to my magazine, and I've just seen the the oh, okay. how do you say it? Like it repeats. Yeah, yeah. like ah, yeah, that's why I'm I'm getting these yeah. uh, repeats now. That's that was that moment. So yeah, well, that's we we were we were you know privileged enough to have Sean Tucker on our podcast as well. Oh, wow. When I was watching that video a couple of years ago that you did with Sean Tucker, um, I can't remember if it was you or him that gave it a really good analogy. It's like looking through like a funnel. And I really liked that because, you know, you look for a funnel, like a cone shaped thing and you see the wider picture where you kind of turn it around and zoom in on one very small part. Right. And I yeah. think that's a great way of looking at something. And, you know, it's, it made me think because it was like, oh, you, you're not necessarily looking for a photo to take that means something. It doesn't have to have a meaning, a, a meaning in the sense of what you're taking a photo mm -hmm. of. It's the meaning of what that that image gives to you after you've taken the photo, right? So that piece of artwork, that abstractness of it gives you a certain feeling and it could be different with every single person that looks at that. Um, uh, that and, and also the joy of making it, I think, like the yeah, moment yeah, yeah. That, you, that you find but, it and you realise that that's a possibility, just that yeah. reality can also provide you with such kinds of images. That's uh, Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really inspiring because it's not about what you've taken the photo of as such. Well, well it is, but it's not like you know, you're not doing street photography or landscape photography in that sense. It's about the result that that one little thing can make you feel rather than trying to capture a certain moment as such, you know what I mean? And I tried I that in the beginning when I started out, but that's that's not for me. That's just... Uh... Yeah, well, I wanted to talk to you about that because, uh, and I know that you mentioned in that Sean Tucker video and various other podcasts that you've done, 
that you started off by doing a little bit of street photography but what made you pick up a camera in the first place? Because you've, you've clearly got a very kind of like artistic background, right? Um, so did did one day you go, oh, I'm now interested in photography and, you know, you wanted to go out and do a bit of street photography or did you pick it up knowing that you needed to learn the camera and then go down the more artistic abstract kind of route? Well, I never set out at least to, to, to do abstract photography with it. Yeah. That was, that I did, I I wouldn't have even thought of it. It was just was not in my um, in, in the scope of things that I would yeah. choose to do that that really developed slowly. But I mean, during art school, of course, every now and then you had to do something with photography, but mainly that was to document stuff. So I would do work in public space and I would just have to document it. So I have to make, take proper photographs of it so I could get a camera there, use it. So I knew how to handle a camera that was. And when I was like 15, 16, 17, I, I had a, an SLR just to, to play with, but uh, it was quite expensive to always keep buying film. And I, I never really knew what I was doing. So it was more of like a coincidence to have a good photograph. And that was just taking photographs of friends and of, of abandoned buildings and nothing serious. It was just fun to do. So I knew my way around the camera just a little bit, but not too too well. Yeah. Um, but uh, I never really did photography with the idea of having photograph as the end result. As as a, like that was not the intention. It was really a practical tool, like most people use their phone, I think, to take photographs as a practical thing, like to share something or to. So, but uh, so I was filming a lot actually in our school with a with a rather large uh, uh, tape camera and uh, at some point that one broke and I still wanted to film but I also felt like still photography would be nice I was working with the slide the found slides quite a bit and the power of the still image was also becoming more and more interesting to me so I thought okay if I just buy an SL, a DSLR that can do both then I can do both for the price yeah. of one. <laughs> so, I mean, if you really want to film, I think an actual camera is nicer than a camera. If you want to walk around with it, at least for me, it would be. Uh, I, I've, I've been filming with the, with the camera that I bought, but it's not the, uh, well, I, that's, that's actually what happened. I, I didn't really use it that much to film and I started taking pictures. And in the beginning, I tried to do like street photography stuff. So I've always liked using what is happening around me as part of, or as, as maybe even as a starting point for, for a work. So I'm not the kind of person who dreams up an image and then wants to paint it or make it or comes up with a concept and then make a very conceptual work. I mean, there's, there's concepts behind my work, but that's not the reason I do the work, but more like a something to to test whether what comes out has yeah. uh, has, a, has a coherence together. Yeah. yeah. So um, so yeah, I, I that's why street photography was a logical step, and I'd always been like one of the two books that had to do with art that we have at home when I, when I was growing up was by Ed van der Elsken. He's um, in the Netherlands. He's a very famous uh, photographer. He passed away in, two, in 1990, I think. Or a bit later, but he was a, really the typical street photographer for a while, and, and he's always been pho photographing kind of documentary-ish, but really like uh, human interest things. And I always liked 
looking through that book and uh, I have the book myself now I actually have the copy that my parents used to have I have it now and so that was a logical step for me to also start trying to do that but it, it never felt right and I, I I don't have the kind of personality to just approach people Bruce Gilden style in your face bang take a photograph or even Martin Parr who is a bit more removed from thing but still I feel way too um uh, how do you say? Like I, I, I feel like my presence there is 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 felt by the other. Yeah, it's participants. quite invasive. Exactly that style of uh, street photography, I think. And it, yeah. it has it has its detractors. It has people who think it's a step too far. But um, especially the Bruce Gilden stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's certainly not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. So, and and of course, I didn't even try Bruce Gilden's stuff. But yeah, he's like one extreme, I think. And and if you take all street photography, he's like on somewhere at the end of one part of that scale, I think. Uh, but but yeah, I think I I mean it's interesting work though. But it's just not I can't do that kind of stuff. So I figured that out rather quickly, I think. And yeah. I well, what I did in two so I I bought this camera in, in the summer of 2014. Actually, the very first series that I took with it were already not abstract, but they were really about shape and and, and color and composition. Yeah. And, uh, not a very good, interesting series anymore. It's, I think it's somewhere hidden still on my website. If you really start mm -hmm. looking for it, you will find it. Yeah. Um, but it was a nice starting point. But after that, I decided, okay, I want to get better at this as fast as I can, Yeah. which you got the bug quick to, to just to go. Yeah, I, f I felt like, okay, I don't want to keep hanging at this point where, where it doesn't feel like it's working for me. So I said, I need a project. And the project was just to confine a certain area for myself where I could photograph and attach a, uh, an exhibition to it. So I, I, I came up with a project called sighting, which means like the sighting of, of that particular space that I was working in, that was like the starting point for all my photography. So I had a, for my other work, I had a gallery, uh, but it was not my photo photographic work. And I asked them if I could use the space for a week in between shows just uh, to work yeah. and to have a short exhibition afterwards. And then I said, okay, I'm gonna use this particular place as the center point of a one kilometer radius around that, that area. And that was where I could work. So I had a GPS tracker on my phone. So I knew when I was stepping outside the, the area where I was allowing myself to be. You were quite strict on yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, I think it really helps if you if you restrict yourself that way. Yeah, yeah. I uh, think it's really important to give yourself projects, like especially when you're trying to learn something. If you take away the kind of the nonsense of where shall I go, what shall I do? If you set yourself a project, regardless of how good or bad the results are to yourself, you will learn so much more from it oh, yeah, doing that. Yeah. and then you'll start kind of crafting your own style and then you know because it especially with photography right it takes years like sometimes never you'll never find your own style like you, you need to kind of you need to go out and there and take photos but you need to have a, a mindset of well what am i taking photos for you know am i just taking photos of my friends and family am i trying to to put a body of work together that will mean something to me. And it, I think if you do set yourself these little, like whether it be a mini challenge or, or projects, long-term projects, you'll do nothing but learn from that regardless of the results. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that's also what happened there. It was uh, on so many levels. I, I had to make decisions and think about stuff, and because I I forced myself also to pick one photograph on the day itself after taking like two hundred photographs or something. Pick one, and then that one would be printed like properly on on nice fine art paper with good inks yeah. on a fifty by seventy five centimeter size, and those seven after a week would be in the exhibition and then I had smaller, cheap, simple print shop prints of the process next to that. But I had these seven photographs and I had to pick them that day. So I also each day really counted. I couldn't have a bad day. Yeah. Of course you do have a bad day. So you have yeah. to really push yourself during these bad days. And of course I- And pick one of the 200 that you take. I didn't do that though, no, I could have. I think also if I would have waited until the end of the week and, and, and choose a series, it would be completely different than what came out because I, mm. on day one, you don't know what's gonna be on day seven. Yeah. So if you start with a rather abstract piece, which I did because I started discovering that during this project, and there are also st still some kind of street photography photographs in that project, even, even though they make the final cut with the, the large prints, they're in there. But I, I really started, I think it really happened then during that project that I made that shift. And I did a graphic design school before I went to art school. And I think that's somehow related to the kind of, photographs that I started taking like they are graphic sh shapes and sometimes yeah. often actually if you wouldn't know and you would only see a digital image or even when it's printed people are quite often confused if they're paintings or maybe drawings and mm. when I tell them they're photographs that's that's the last thing that they expect so that's something that I I didn't consciously develop but it's just part of me and it's and it developed during this project and of course I made a lot of conscious decisions but I didn't know it before, and I could only make a decision after I had something to to look at and and, and start to uh, how do you say it? like dissect it, like figure yeah, out yeah. why does this happen? Why does it look like this? What did I do? And that's nice with a camera that you when the digital camera that you have the metadata, you can at least look at okay, what were the settings I was using? That's yeah. on a very technical level, but you also need that kind of knowledge, especially in the beginning. When you don't know what is happening when you have an open uh, aperture or a very closed aperture i didn't know that i was just messing around They're like oh yeah, yeah, yeah this works why is it blurry in the background yeah, yeah. and uh, now i know how i can use that or or yeah how i can set the set up now but that, then i learned it actually just by doing it i never got a course that's also the kind of art school that i went to would teach you that kind of stuff they would teach you how to look at your work and how to express things or how to figure out how, how how to present it so it will give your viewers uh, a certain direction but not the technical stuff they, and of course there were people who could explain it to you but there were not not really a lot of classes where they would actually do that which is for some people maybe problematic but for me it was perfect because that meant i could just play around and, and yeah. learn stuff while learn doing from your own mistakes learn from going out there and actually doing it rather than pen and paper and reading the book yeah, and that's something I really took with me. So during this project, that was like one of the the the, the main elements to just do it because uh, uh, the way and discover how to do it while I'm doing it. And uh, of course, you can't do that with everything, but with a lot of, especially with creative stuff, I think, and even uh, or especially in these days when everything has a tutorial, you can get all the basic techniques easily from yeah, i mean that's yeah. that's that's such an easy part actually of 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 making work i mean 
then then comes the hard work to figure out what what yeah. you are doing and yeah. and then also figuring out why you're doing it it's not always important to know why you're doing it but at some point you need to start understanding like why am i doing this yeah. this way yeah. and what does that say about me and what can i what can i communicate with that and because like you said earlier my photographs don't have a particular meaning i think but if you look a bit deeper there is a, a layer of me. It's a feeling. Well, There's a feeling, me. but but yeah. also I think if you look at the, uh, especially the the urban work, I think it also, at least for me, it also speaks about how even the most horrible looking environments can provide you with very beautiful images, and that maybe that's very superficial for some people. Like okay, it's just about beauty, but I think it also, I mean, it can be a nice parallel or parallel to how life is like sometimes in, in in not so nice periods something good can come out of it so maybe yeah. i mean maybe i'm going too far with this but for me it works like that so no, no, that's no. not what i'm trying to tell people but it is in the work so sometimes people may take that out of it that's nice i think so. yeah. that's really interesting i think i was going to ask you about um mark do you know mark rothko mm -hmm. um and if, and if his work inspired you because his work uh i really liked it so got the sun um until i saw it if uh, i saw it at the tate gallery in london in you know um and i didn't realize how big it was and i didn't realize how uh impressive and powerful it was to see it in real life and i've not actually seen your work in real life but i imagine there's that similar like aspect of seeing it on your phone screen or seeing it on a uh, on the laptop and then seeing the big prints of it um it really reminds me of that type of thing and i did wonder if he was a inspiration to the kind of work that you do i always find it hard to really point at someone as a as an inspiration because it, mm. but but it definitely is he's an artist that i really appreciate and i really yeah, like you say it's very impressive when you see the works in real life it's very different from seeing them in a book or on a, on a screen indeed so and and well, if my work can do that, that would be great. I don't know if it does, and I've, and that's also a thing. I, I be, when you paint, you make maybe some small sketches, and then at some point you decide, okay, it's going to be this size because it needs to be that size. You start making it. But when I take photographs, they for, the first time I see them, my photographs are really small on the back of my camera. Take them in the computer, and then if I would zoom in one hundred percent, that my screen is not large enough to see them at 100 yeah. percent so the first time i see them in a large size will be also when they are printed in that size but i only get them printed in that size after lots of decisions have been made because it's not cheap to get them printed that yeah, large yeah, yeah. and even if it would be cheap it would not be convenient to have so many large prints hanging around or lying around actually you have to store them you have to make sure that they stay in the right condition so it, that's always a, a surprise for me as well. I, I mean, that's all, of course, sometimes I can have a good guess of how it will be. But for example, I had I have a series called uh, Facade, which is uh, most of my photographs are vertical, actually. But these are horizontal and you could call them color field photographs, I, I think. And they're supposed to be printed on, uh, let me say it right, two, two meter 25 by 150, which is about the largest you can do with an inkjet printer because the roll is, uh, the width of the roll is around 125, yeah. at least for the kinds of prints that I want to make. Yeah. Otherwise you have to start uh, mounting them together and it's going to be a different way. But this this is about the largest size that I can do. So the first time I 
had seen them that way i actually sold it before <laughs> before i had seen it that size and which was a really weird experience because uh, yeah there was just i i was it sounds weird to say but uh i was in uh uh surprised by my own work because yeah, also yeah. it really takes up your whole if you stand in front of it it takes it almost all of your view yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's really overwhelming is maybe a bit of a uh, over-the-top word to use but i don't know which <laughs> other i no, mean no. i think i think you get what i mean i think yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you were submerged by it yeah exactly and that's that's quite a weird experience a nice experience also but it's really um so yeah i think in a way uh rothko's work uh has, has inspired me there definitely i don't yeah. think but the impact of my work is anywhere near what rothko does but i i i hope one day maybe I think there something are, will yeah. come close to it i think there are some similarities though because when you see his work you would kind of if you just look at what it is and don't look you know beyond that it's like well it's just a bit of it's some shapes but then when you see it in real life it's like it is overwhelming and it's completely like i i it was probably 10 years ago that i saw it and i still remember mm. how i felt and I, I couldn't leave I, I sat and looked at it for such a long time and um you're you do suddenly go how on earth did you do this like really it must it's quite a technical feat to be able to do it and i do see that kind of stuff in your work that you go okay well it's some shapes and things like that but if you go out and try and recreate it like jamie was saying suddenly it's like oh it's really it's not as easy as it perhaps appears to be yeah um so it's there are process isn't it not just yeah yeah Don't exactly know. i like that kind of idea of you know and we saw it in some of the footage of you out on the street with in that sean tucker video the, the typical street photographer is looking everywhere, seeing everything. And, and like you say about that funnel thing, you're just going, ah, oh, where's that like a little corner, a little bit of light or something like that. And I really like that. It's kind of a, it's just a completely different way of, I don't know, looking at things and experiencing that type of photography. So yeah, yeah it's very cool. It's very inspiring work, definitely. I, I had a question about the actual work itself, about, um, so you know you go through the whole process you've picked a few photos you know you've picked the ones that you like they might go into your zine or your uh, you know into print whatever it might be but if you look back at any of your work that you've you've got printed or or you know you've selected to to use could you remember where you took that or is it not really about that yeah, it, most it, of the time actually i can yeah. Yeah, that's yeah but i must say that also especially when i've gone through the process of, of selecting the ones that I like and doing the the, the, the minor bits of, of post-processing that, that I do to them, then of course they become part of a different selection. So I don't really look at the B-sides anymore. So I, I keep most of my photographs actually, also the ones that I didn't choose just to be able to go back and sometimes, I don't know, just uh, especially in the beginning, it was really a way of learning so yeah, yeah. when the technical part was done it was really about learning what why does this work why does this not work and and it also happens that i take two different photographs of the same situation because i'm not sure yet whether it's going to end up the way i want it to be i especially when i photograph upwards with the straight line buildings then you get perspective yeah. uh, distortion and i yeah. want to correct for that that's one of the few things that i allow myself to do because i want it still to be a reflection of reality yeah so 
I have to keep in mind that I will lose some of the image when I do that. So I will often photograph a little bit more wider than I actually want to have in the picture, which looks horrible when I see that photograph. So I have to really remember that also when I took, take a look later on my computer when I'm making the selections. But you have to think about the end result rather than... Yeah, what was I doing here? Like sometimes, because sometimes, of course, when you're like, you can get into this 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 focus this uh, that you really are working just with what you see in front of you and that can be a good thing most of the time it's a good thing but sometimes afterwards <laughs> you look at it, it's like you wake up after a dream and you thought you had a great idea and you think about it again it's like nah that was not a good idea it didn't make any sense that sometimes i, I do that with luke every day i text luke saying <laughs> we should do yeah. this and he goes he, he has two responses he goes yeah that's a really good idea we should meet up next week and do that or he'll go yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Which I know is half an hour later, you're like, oh, no, that yeah. was a bad idea. <laughs> That's important, nice. right? We should always be throwing ideas out there. Why not? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, indeed. indeed I think so too. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's good to also allow yourself to do the, the bad ideas so so you can because there's always something to learn but yeah to come back yeah. to your other question I, I most of the time I do remember where it was or at least sometimes I don't remember the, the name of the city but I do remember what kind of situation it was yeah. but of course sometimes I also lose it I mean I'm, I don't have thing? I don't have a photographic memory and actually I have quite bad memory with most stuff when it comes like my wife is extremely good at remember everything. I'm like, how the hell is it possible that you remember these things? Uh, but I uh, lose most of the stuff. So maybe that's also a reason I do photography because that's yeah, a way to, oh, yeah. a lot to of keep people it. Do, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But for example, so I, like, I I took a few things that I make. Like I make this little thingy called addendum, which is a little booklet. Yeah, exactly. I always <laughs> send those along when people order something for the first time. It's nice, like a little bit of extra. And I started doing these. This is the second one I did. And I, it's already years ago. I, I want to do it a new one again. But it's like a giveaway thing. And I, I the idea was to put them in in books and bookstores of art were uh, of yeah art books that would be kind of similar uh, kind of audience that would appreciate my work but of course they're always wrapped in plastic so i couldn't put them in there so i had these booklets anyway i have these with me always and last week i think it was two weeks ago we were taking a walk in uh, somewhere in spain i don't even know exactly where it was but nice area and a, a, a car park with a dutch uh, uh, number plate and i was like hey that's that's nice so and, and they approached us so we had a, a nice little chat then they left for their hike and we left for ours and when we came back they weren't back yet and i thought okay i'll leave them a, a short note and I, I gave them i just put one of these behind their uh, uh how do you call that the, 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 the clean that's yeah. the one yeah and then they sent me an email like, thanks, nice to see your work, blah, blah. And they said, okay, we're going to visit this in this town. And I was like, that's funny because I took this photograph and this photograph in that particular city where you, oh, wow. <laughs> you said you were going. And that's just, yeah, that's the kind of thing that sticks They're the in nice my head. little things that are like, you know, you'll always remember, if you know what I mean? But yeah. I, so I had a question about some of the photos because some, like, I don't know if this is the whole point about like the abstract of, or, or abstract art in general, right? Because I can look at one of your photos for, for example, I have this, I have this, I brought it upstairs with me. I have this next to my TV, yeah? And I don't know if I want to ask you this or not, because sometimes I can look at your work and I can work out what it is, yeah? 
but it, I will still look at it for hours on end. I look at it every day or, you know, when you walk by it, whatever it might be. And then some things I can't work out. So, for example, I've got a photo here. Do you want to know? That's also that's that's tricky. Because that's what I don't know what I want to ask you or not. So <laughs> I look at that and in my head, I have an idea, right? But then I might look at it a month later, two days later, whatever it might be. And I have another idea and I'm like, oh, and I don't know if I want to know, but at the same time, I kind of want to know. But there's sometimes I can look at photos and I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see what that is. I might be right or wrong, right? But I can kind of work out what it might be. A shadow gives it away or some steps or whatever it might be. But then sometimes like that one, for example, I look at and I generally have no idea. The only way I can describe it is I think that might be a, some kind of pillar. And this is like a corner of a building. But I don't know. I'm making it up. But that, again... I think that's kind of like the beauty behind it, right? Because you can look at it and think of something different every time. And I think that's one of the powerful things about your work is that it makes you think. Like, and yeah, I, I think it's also that that's also the nice thing about the photo camera that it translates a three-dimensional setting into a two-dimensional image. Like, it, yeah. everything is like there's depth in 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 the situation. But yeah. by taking a photograph, I can remove that and it just becomes one flat yeah, surface yeah. Yeah, yeah. but because there's shadows and there's darker and lighter parts you can your brain will always try to figure out like what how how does this yeah, yeah. fit together and once you get one thing in your head it's really hard to get that out of your head until you see something else but then you notice know this, this uh, rotating uh, uh, ballerina uh, illusion like it's a black and white uh, gif or just a video i think and if you you can willfully make her spin the other way around just because there's oh, not enough yeah. information but enough information that makes you understand how depth works yeah, yeah. and i think it's similar with this and so some what i did for one particular issue i don't have it lying here but i made one issue where you were to decide what was up and what was down so instead of having one front page it actually had two front pages so on the back if you would flip it it yeah. would have a front page as well. So you could start at the end or beginning and vice versa. And all the images would be upside down. But I had already been mixing them within the magazine. And sometimes I think you can see it. And it's not really about figuring figuring that out. But it was also something I started to become interested in. Like, I can decide after. Like, I don't do a lot of post-processing. There's If there's a really ugly stain somewhere, I will probably remove it. I do contrast work because they come out way too flat. It's not the way I saw it. And I do some straightening and, and a little bit of cropping if necessary. That's it. But what I do allow myself, once I print them, I can hang them upside down, actually, or rotate them a quarter or something. So I thought, okay, I can also do that with a magazine. I think that's a nice way to give one a literal twist to the work. And that also really plays with how the, the depth of an image work sometimes so that's something i'm like the other uh, art book that we had when i was growing up was from mc escher the, the famous graphic drawing maker like i think mathematicians are really interested in what he did but he wasn't a mathematician he was just a draftsman i think yeah. and he made all these impossible looking but still possible looking yeah. like i i love that stuff like yeah, yeah. because it says so much about how our brain works how we interpret reality what we think is like, like the never-ending staircase that kind of thing that, like, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. or the triangle that is just 
not fitting yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's like what how yeah, yeah i i love that because it, our brain is really bad at interpreting reality but still that's all we got so we're doing this the whole all the time and most of the time it works well for us but sometimes we fail and we either start believing weird stuff or we just i don't know it's it's nice what what happens how the yeah. brain functions how visual input which is our most people it's their dominant uh, sense i think yeah so it's uh yeah i, lo I love playing with that it. it's something i've always enjoyed I, I yeah so coming back to asher that's i think been a very early influence without knowing it would be an influence like you can that's I, sometimes i get people ask me uh, send me a question like uh on instagram and one at some point i got someone asked me like yeah can you tell me who your influences are because i'm i'm trying to develop a similar style as what you're doing and uh, i was like I understand why you're asking this and i think it's it's good that you're asking questions and and, and approaching people that you think are like worthwhile to like i felt honored in a way that people ask these kinds of things but i don't think it works that way because you i don't consciously choose an artist and say okay i want this person to influence me it's just yeah. it, it comes naturally and sometimes it just comes across and you didn't choose it and it hits you in a way and sometimes you don't know it's going to hit you in five years something you saw five years ago like I don't think you can calculate it, and and we we've become so obsessed with trying to make things as effective as possible, or as, as get to the the end result as clear as quickly as possible, and then actually the most fun is happening while we're just trying to figure it out. I think that's that's also what happens when we're traveling. It's never about a certain destination. Actually, I miss most of the highlights because I just don't feel like they're interesting when i'm there i want to see different things and if the weather isn't the way i want it to be then we leave there's no actual very well uh, determined decision behind that there's no good logic other than well okay i i need more sunshine or i need a couple of days off so we go into the woods and may, and then i probably miss taking photographs in the city at that point but yeah. i don't know what i'm missing i mean there i of course like everyone i every now and then experience the fear of missing out i think but yeah. i try to also like i i know actually but i sometimes have to remind myself that it's actually really good to miss most of the stuff because yeah. that means i'm choosing something else and you um, appreciate what you have got so much more then right yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And i think it's also like you can be inspired in different ways right like my photography is different to your photography but you can still inspire me because it can be your process or how you might look at things. Like you said, you look at, you, you might look at things in your own way. It's what, what appeals to you. So that inspires me to go out and do what I want to do. Right. And just because the results are very, very different, that doesn't mean that you haven't influenced me at all. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. even forget photography, I can look at, you know, whatever it might be a, a painter or whatever it might be. And they can still inspire me to go out and do, my work and i'm not trying to replicate that in any way and i think that's always important to tell people that or you know understand yourself and tell people that ask that kind of thing because inspiration can come in lots of different ways do you know what i mean you don't have, just because you're inspired by someone doesn't mean you should go out and copy what they're doing you should It'll be a good technical exercise i think i mean yeah, yeah. you may need to do that in the beginning but it, it will also become boring i think it, it, 
well, if you want to express something yourself, even though you don't, may not be able to put into words what you're expressing, I mean, that sounds very mysterious almost, but I mean, if you want to express something, you have to do it something because you want to do it, not because you're able to pull off a trick, which I mean, yeah, yeah. you need to know some tricks maybe, but it's not about performing the trick anymore. It's about doing something new with the techniques that are involved with that trick. If you're being anyone but yourself, you'll either produce something that's shit or you'll get bored very quick. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think that's especially yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I mean, and that's also happening on, on on social media when you have people who are who know what they have to do to get likes because that's I think you can I don't know what I want to say about it, but I think it will be it will not be worthwhile as a maker anymore. It may it may be very encouraging for a while if people really like what you do because of course it's if people tell you that what you do makes them happy or they are uh, amazed by it because you, they don't know how to do it and you do know how to do it and it feels like you can do something that others can't do and that may be a very nice feeling but it's very briefly I think after a while that doesn't matter anymore and the nice thing is Instagram is fucked up now I mean <laughs> it's not doing what it was doing a few years yeah. ago well, you're not, not getting likes anymore. anymore that's just yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not getting like I turned off also the visibility of my likes and I don't see them for other people either. So I decided, okay, if it's not working anymore, it's, it's broken. I don't want it anymore anyway. So I, in a way, I mean, it's, it sucks because I like to use that platform to, because I'm making a living of what I do. And it's one of the ways that I can inform new people about what I do. And if they like what I do, they may subscribe to my magazine or buy a print or something, which helps me continue what I'm doing. So in that sense, I would like Instagram to function the way it did. But I think in a way it's good that it's not giving people likes for it's not a trend, is it, to, just to get the likes? But it's it's, it's catch twenty two, isn't it? Because if you're just like someone who wants to chase likes, okay, you do you, whatever. But at the same time, from a business point, or from a living point, or from an artist point, you want to get your work out there. You don't really, yeah. you, know, you said you okay. don't care how many. It's likes. not about the likes. No, I mean, no, I no. like the interaction, and it's nice yeah. if there's sincerity like the there. People that are interested in your work to okay. be able to see your work, and that's like like while we're doing front as well, like we tell people to use our hashtag because if someone if someone tags hashtag front photography, we're going to see it because we'll check the hashtag. Yeah. But if we don't, Instagram will hide so many so many people's works that are posted and, and you miss so much. So, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's an awkward one, isn't it? It's, you don't know. It's what. really discouraged me from using the platform anymore. I don't have the app installed anymore. It's on my wife's phone. So if something really happens and I, I can quickly respond if someone sends a message and other than that, I just upload from my laptop and uh, i just post and goes more or less I, which which sucks you know because i used to like it but um, it's not doing what it gave me a few years ago and it's not because it has to give me something but i want to it's not a joyful experience anymore it's yeah it really feels like it's a competition for attention and like you have to post stories all the time you have to post like reels and you have to post yeah. something like on a very regular basis i don't want to do that i want to be able to not do something because I am in a 
like like I told you in the beginning, I'm in a bit of a lower creative uh, part of how, how how stuff works. That's just how it goes. It, it, in a year from now, it will hopefully and most probably be very different again. And then I might be able to post something every day, but I don't want to do that. I just want to be able to do something, show people my work because I want to show it to them. And yeah, like you say, with chronological audio, you would just easily yeah. get that back again. Like people yeah, yeah. would see it if they really want to see it. It is so, rumored that it's going to come back, but I don't. I think you might have to have a certain. I think it's too late and it's done. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about social media other than yeah. what I've been doing on it. And that's yeah. not a very calculated whole, thing. Whole I got lucky with Sean Tucker mentioning me and and taking a video. And which I'm super thankful for, which was a very nice experience. And it's really nice to have also to just have this document. But that really helped me gain more people seeing my work on Instagram. Yeah. And back two years ago, it was still functioning quite well. But by now, it's like, I don't know what to do with it. So yeah. too bad. It's, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll keep keep it going. And I think that's the silly thing. Some people want to see that you have a lot of followers. And I consider myself lucky to have like I have over 20,000 followers, which I would have never expected when I started doing this. And that's nice, but it doesn't really mean anything. But some people think that's important. So yeah, it's good for me to keep that Instagram profile so people see that I have 20,000 followers. But yeah, well, whatever, man. It doesn't say anything about what I do, whether they like what I do. Yeah, look at that. Someone says, oh, he was doing a wheelie. But uh, <laughs> too bad he stopped already. Maybe someone else. Uh, well, if it's too noisy, no, it's okay, right? Yeah, I just wanted to ask a quick question about the um, March and Rock because you bring out March and Rock quarterly, is that right? More or less, yeah. I do four. I put the word quarterly on the magazine, but it's actually four times per year because, like the previous one was quicker, but the one before that took me five months to make because it was that was the when I finally started traveling again, and I just I I had to really get used to it again. That was in Italy. There was uh, I met this one, so. There we go. So this is the one I'm talking about. That one took me way longer to do, but then I also developed something new that I'm doing. So instead of normal okay. pages, I made these fold out mm, nice. things, yeah, yeah. which also makes it possible to like make new combinations when you when you go around, you could even fold it the other way around again, like really start playing with new combinations, even with the front page. So that's I'm, also I'm, I'm now going to pick up your. I'm, I'm now going to pick up this, and I'm going to read it upside down. Back. To <laughs> I've never thought about doing that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can also do that with portrait photography, but it will be very obvious <laughs> yeah. that everything's upside down. They're they're always available. You ship worldwide, and they're available on your website. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's harder to get it to a different country than other times. Yeah. But uh, like the last one, I actually shipped it from Spain. Uh, which was not meant to happen, but uh, that's this one. So I'm just going to be very, uh, well, there you go. That's the last, the, the latest issue, not the last, but the latest. And I had this one ready right before we were going to leave for Spain or actually for this trip. And they came in and they were full of printing mistakes that were just, I don't know, the printer made, made I don't know, something was wrong with the machine, I think. So I had them remade, but I, that took so took some time to get the complaint 
done and and well it took a few weeks actually uh, say well i'm leaving in a few days so you may have to send them to spain which they did uh, um but i didn't know where i was going to be in spain it was an interesting situation uh, so i found the the tourist information in a small town that we were staying and asked them like can i use your address to send a box of magazines here and they were actually really helpful they were they weren't even like i could understand if they were Sorry, suspecting no, like oh i don't know what you're sending here uh, we don't want that no they were totally fine so i got them sent over there and then i had to ship them to anywhere uh, again yeah. and i don't know i still haven't heard from anyone in the states that they received it and usually i get from a few people i get a, a quick note like hey i received it nice or i just uh, they post it in their stories or whatever but i didn't hear from anyone so either nobody really likes what i did or they they got lost in the mail i don't know but so that was a bit of a yeah it feels it feels uh feels tricky but it's nice actually to also be able to do that just send it from anywhere so yeah i do ship anywhere yeah so please, if you wanna, if you if you wanna order one, or yeah, just go to my website and uh, you can find them there, and uh, I'll, I'll happily well. send them to you.